0: Bienvenidos to a special season-ending episode of El Mestizo Podcast, the show for the mixed people of the mixed church. On this podcast, your hosts answer your questions about the Mestizo Church, themes of the season, and tell you what's coming next for the Mestizo Podcast. So, sienta en casa, make yourself at home, and let's get started. We made it. It's the end of the summer the end of the third season of the Mestizo podcast, the start of the fall, the start of a new school year for most of our listeners, the start of conference season for most of us that are in academics or academia. Uh, So it's the start of certain seasons, the end of other seasons, and the celebration of both for us. Elizabeth, we made it to the end of the third season. How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling great. It's been exciting. It and has. It has. And uh, the summer was just as as uh, exciting, just as full. So I'm glad for that. I just had a really neat time with um, El Calvario Church in uh, Florida. Had a wonderful time sharing with them. Um, they're doing some exciting things, getting ready to do even more in the community, understanding how God is uh, moving the church today. So it's been great.
0: Yeah. Big shout out to El Calvario, to Pastor Nino, uh, Bishop uh, Marcial, Agustin Quiles. Some of these uh, some of these guys are doing some really Pastor Gabby work. is
1: the one there now. Pastor, Pastor Gabi, yeah. Has yep. moved, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so Gaby Salguero, is that right?
1: No,
0: no. Oh, tell me more. It's a
1: different Gabriel.
0: Different Gabriel. Okay. All right. Man, congratulations to him. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. That's exciting. Well, I also mm-hmm. felt like the summer was busy. I did a conference in Puerto Rico um, talking about the images that we use to describe what it means to Puerto Ricans uh, to be Puerto Rican. That was really exciting to be uh, to be there. I met some of my heroes. Right. Uh, Luis Rivera Pagan, Efraín Agosto. These are guys who carved the way. And you passed mustard
1: with them, man. I congratulate you. Thank
0: you. That was nerve (laughs) wracking. So for the audience, the audience doesn't know this. so, So we'll 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 give them a little insight. The the rumor around around town was that Luis Rivera Pagan, the former professor at uh, Princeton Theological Seminary, sharp sharp intellectual scholar. Um, the rumor around town was he can be uh, he can be really uh, sharp not sharp that's the wrong word but like looking to make sure that all of our our t's are crossed our eyes are dotted. He
1: pushes you toward excellence.
0: He pushes you toward excellence. That's the right way to describe it. And so I was really nervous giving a presentation at a conference, knowing that he would be in attendance and would be uh, at the presentation.
1: Sure and knowing enough, that he actually came up to you and let you know he's going to be listening to you.
0: That's what I'm saying. say. Sure enough, he approached me first, told me he would be listening. He was in the front row when the presentation mm-hmm. started. It was terrifying. But he told me I did a good job. So praise God for that. Um, I didn't get you know pushed or anything like that and so so really really grateful for what that means but it has been a busy summer and that's been good for us on the show and this has been a different season of the Mestizo podcast. We, uh, We did something really different in terms of thematics for this season. We talked about dynamics between us those dynamics that we often don't discuss and so just to kind of do a quick look back with the audience. We talked about the dynamic of interracial marriages with the Bantams and their new book, Choosing Us. We talked about the dynamics of disability, the reality that we do not talk about that as a Latino community. We often uh, ignore that issue, brush it off. Uh, and so grateful for Doctora Rios and Hiram, her husband, who shared their, their story of loving DJ. We talked with some academics, but we, uh, we did it a little differently, like talking with Doctora Bedford about the ways that she raised her daughters. Instead of talking to her about all of her scholarly expertise, we, we, we talked about those internal dynamics of what it means to be a theologian raising daughters that are the word that she uses for ni, aquí, ni right? And so this season we spent some time with folks thinking about those things that are kind of under the rug or closet issues, right? And we had a lot of fun doing it, but it was a different season. And in that way, I think we brought up, we yielded some conversations that were really thoughtful and, and different in nature. I don't know, Elizabeth, what, what stood out to you as we think about some of those, those concepts that came up, um, things that, that we, we addressed this season? We'll talk more about it as we get into the, the conversation of the episodes, but what episode or ideas maybe come up for you that were really interesting?
1: Well, there were a couple of things, um, but they have a a connecting point. I think that when we speak about theology and when we talk about culture, et cetera, we can tend to to theorize these pieces, whereas um, when you have to connect those things to personal life and to what it looks like in uh, relational patterns and so forth, it becomes real. Yeah. And I thought that this podcast, this season was about the real stuff, how yeah. what we talk about, how these, you know, other questions and things, how what they look like in real life and how it is that we then uh, can be transformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that a really great way to bring that out was to bring uh, poets and musicians to this as well. I think that our continued um, recognition of poets and musicians, you know, the arts as a way of giving expression to the interconnection between our personhood and the things we say we believe and we're committed to is an important one because the arts tend to keep us honest.
0: Yeah, and boy were they honest, right? Jasmine uh, Rodriguez, Micah Bornet, who were on this season. Boy, were they honest talking about the anti-blackness that was uh, embedded in them, right? The Mm -hmm. ways that that came up, right? Jasmine saying she wasn't even sure she could date her her boyfriend because of his hair, right? That that episode, uh, I I still think about how shocked I was when she said it, and I was like, "Wow, the transparency that these artists are willing to have—it was a gift. It was a gift to us." So I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, having artists on the show. And so I say all of that to say, I think the season has uh, given rewarded us with gifts as we think about the conversations we've had. And I want to ask a favor of the audience. i so have got a request in light of those gifts, right? Uh, something that always helps us, it helps us in a number of ways. I'm going to be really candid with you. It helps us in a number of ways. When you leave a review, when you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, there, there are really two things that, that you do. Number one, You help the podcast be more visible to more people. But number two, we are always showing our support, our donors, uh, grant writing organizations that support World Outspoken, uh, even support IAF as well, uh, the association that Elizabeth now is leading. Uh, We show grants and supporters and donors the work that we're doing. And one of the ways that we can show them the effect of the work, the impact of the work, is the stories you tell about how the work has impacted you. And so it's not just helping us to spread the word of the show when you send reviews, but it also helps us to keep the show going. When we can show our financial supporters say, Hey, this is what's happening. This is how this is impacting our community. And so if you haven't, I'll, I'll say the request that I always say, right? Uh, Go online, go to the podcast, use your podcast app. If you've got an iPhone, subscribe to the show. And tell us your story, leave us a review, telling us a little bit more about how the show has impacted you. And by the way, some of those reviews are really awesome. I'd take some time and I'd go through them because I know quite a few of our listeners often feel alone in these subjects, feeling like they're thinking about it on an island. And so I would recommend take some time and go read some of the reviews that are on there. There's some really, really incredible stories that you can have access to right away just by skimming through the existing reviews. And so that's one thing that I'm going to recommend or request that you do. If you haven't already, leave us a review. Uh, second thing, oh, uh, there's Toby. One second, Elizabeth. Se encerro aquí en el cuarto. One second. Did you lock yourself out of the room? Go. Crazy cat. <laughs> he locked himself out of the room. Ah! Yeah, he closed the door on himself, exactly, and then got all upset. (laughs) It's so annoying. (laughs) Wait. This uh this cat something else.
1: Uh, They have personalities. And they have personalities. Yeah. Cats are not like dogs.
0: You are absolutely by the way. I'm watching there's a show on Netflix called The Mind of Cats. It's really like quirky and really for kids. But it's actually pretty fun and insightful. It it helped me realize, like, oh, they're, they're, you can
1: not actually teach a cat
0: a thing. So working Listen, on that.
1: My son has the cat um, standing on its hind legs to pick up treats. No way. Yeah. He has the cat um, doing all kinds of tricks and stuff for him. Como si fuera ah, el perro.
0: I need to I need to no, enroll in well. classes with your son to, to learn. <laughs> though, though Toby's old, I'm not sure if we could te- teach an old cat new tricks the way that they say este, that. G-
1: esta gata es ah boy. Pues. Ah
0: boy, pues. then I definitely need to tambien. enroll.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: definitely need to enroll. But I was gonna say before Toby rudely interrupted me, I was gonna say that you should also follow us on social media. So follow World Outspoken on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at world outspoken. Uh, You can also tell us your stories, tag us in your stories as well. Um, All right, that's everything that I'll say about that. Let's get into what we came to do on this episode of bringing up questions asked by our audience and then addressing them. And there's some words that we have for you as well. So the first question comes from a fan named Christian Silva from Chicago, Illinois. He writes, I'm a theology student. And as I'm navigating truth y la vida, I ask how my Latinidad matters to me and to God but how much of my experience of being a biracial Chicano is allowed to influence my faith? And he he says this sort of poetically. He says, faith seems to be able to consume all that I am, yet it seems as though I'm not allowed to touch it. Where is the line? I think he's asking where is the line between the impact of culture on my faith and the, the line of, you know, doctrine or having kind of uh, faithfulness to a kind of theological end. I think that I think that's what he's getting at, right? The the relationship between cultural identity and theological truths. Uh, what do you think, Elizabeth? As you think about Christian's question?
1: Well, first of all, um, the Christian faith is an incarnated faith. In other words, there is no line because uh, it's a faith that is supposed to encompass all of our humanity and certainly our identity, our cultural identity or identities, right? And that whole mix and the integration of different pieces and so forth, our faith uh, embraces that and should be facilitating that. So if we look at the um, passage in Acts 2, which many people sort of just think about as a passage that has to do with Pentecost and speaking in tongues and, you know, all of that. And it becomes controversial. Actually, that's a passage that deals with how the Holy Spirit is giving us an example of God embracing culture to its fullest extent. Language is culture. And so languages were being embraced and so on and so forth and it's god saying hey bring all of this to me bring all of it that's the only way that we're going to be able to grow in our faith is if we bring every single one of our human dimensions of who we are to that point of of growing and integrating all those pieces we can't grow if we leave something out so surely all of these pieces are there and continuing to uh, continuing our inquiry about that is important so that we push uh, all Christians, all Christians, we have to continuously push to the fact that we want to be able to embrace these pieces. And if we look historically, Emmanuel, the reasons why we have pushed that aside is because the church has been uh, a part of a gospel of conquest. And as such, um, it's been a part of in the more, well, in the conquest that we've known in the Americas has been a part of the racism, which helped to organize the uh, ways of conquest, right? And so in order not to mention that, in order to say, oh, no, this has nothing to do with that, etc., we've become a part of a theology that has separated these things into little boxes. And therefore, we don't have to have theology mixed into this box. And what Christian is saying is, I need I need my faith or the things that I understand about my faith to mix with all of the boxes of who I am as a person. And absolutely, none of these things should be in boxes. All of this should be flowing one into the other, integrating and making together all of these pieces are making together and they're bringing us to the fullness of the measure of christ christ was a human being and that's the most that i could aspire to be is is the best human being possible i can't aspire to be an angel right now i don't have i didn't come with the wings i can't (laughs) yeah you know i can't aspire to be some spiritual being because I'm in, the, I'm in this flesh, I'm in this body, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I can aspire to be the best possible human being and therefore to bring forth the image that God has created in me. And that, I, I was placed in a context. Yeah. And my context, right, is a part of all of that, is a part of all of that. And that's how I give expression to this faith.
0: What you've shared makes me think of uh, Justo González's book, Mañana, he has that chapter about Jesus, divinity, and humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mañana, it's a popular book at this point. People have read it. But in in Justo's book, right, the chapter where he deals with Christology, the study of Jesus and and who Jesus is and how we make sense of Jesus, he he sort of makes fun of people uh, who, who constantly wrestle with the relationship between Jesus' divinity and his humanity. And he says, well, what is divinity? According to John, divinity, God is love, right? Uh, That what makes God most God is his self-giving love, right? And so Jesus shows his divinity in his self-giving love for us. The fact that he is sacrificing himself on the cross, the fact that he is demonstrating that love. But then what makes us most the image of God, right? What makes us most human is our self-giving love. And so there is no, no tension there between Jesus, divinity, and his humanity. By being self-giving in his love, he is demonstrating the fullness of humanity. By, giving, by, being by being self-giving in his love, he's also demonstrating the fullness of his divinity, right? Both things are being further integrated, further demonstrated, further revealed by, by this act of self-giving love. And I'll say two things. So many of our listeners love that when we recommend books... This question of the integration of culture and theology, there's a series. It uh, Shout out to our, our Catholic sisters and brothers. Um, there's a series by Catholic theologians uh, called Disruptive Cartographies, Doing Theology Latinamente. It's a series of books. There are two that I'll recommend from the series. There's one called The Word Became Culture. Uh, edited by Miguel Diaz. It's a really great book. It's all about this question of the relationship between culture and, and theology and culture and faith, how we integrate it. And then there's another one by a Uh, jean Pierre Ruiz wrote a book, Revelation in the, in the Vernacular. So Revelation in the Vernacular, how we can talk revelation in the everyday speech rhetorics that we use. And he deals with what Elizabeth just brought up, this reality of conquest And the way that conquest kind of broke, fragmented the relationship between theology and the world that we now live in. And so just some some books, Mañana, Revelation in the Vernacular, The Word Became Culture. These are some books that deal with this question, Christian. And for those of us that are listening and wrestling with this question, just some ideas. They're short books that deal with theology that I find to be helpful in this question. Elizabeth, you got one more thing you want to say about this or should we move to the next question?
1: I think we can move.
0: All right. This next question is written by Bethany from Denver, Colorado. She wrote in and she said, I really appreciate your podcast and listen to it as much as I can. My name is Betty and my mother is a third generation Mexicana. My dad is, she writes, these are her words, not mine. My dad is gringo, English Scottish heritage. I definitely resonate with many of the conversations that you host and I always finish listening feeling both more connected and less connected. I find that phrase interesting. Your podcast inspires a deep craving for a Latino faith community that I haven't quite found yet. I'm wondering if you have any opportunities to connect with other listeners. Should I continue? I'll go ahead and read the rest of it. She says, my Latina community in Denver, although deeply rooted in social justice causes, has left the church for understandable reasons, and my friends who are more connected are not Latinos. So culturally, I feel a bit isolated on both ends. I've also found very few Latina communities, or Latina churches, sorry. I've also found very few Latina churches here as well. Some Catholic communities, but my mother left the Catholic church, so I'm unfamiliar with that. Anyway, it would be amazing to meet other listeners and connect with other people who are having conversations around the intersectionality of their faith and acknowledging the often complex dichotomy of being both Christian and brown. So her question has some similarities to Christian's question of how do we how do we be both of these things? Um, I'm going to start with this one. So Bethany just asked straight up, are there listening communities where I can engage? There are two things that I want to point you to at World Outspoken. The first is there's actually a survey we've put out on social media. It's actually in the link, uh, the show notes uh, of this episode include the link to the survey as well. It'll take you two to three minutes to finish it, Not lo- nothing long. World Out Spoken's actually been exploring what it means to create uh, communities where people can uh, experience a kind of formation, training, that kind of thing. Uh, but also just be in community with like-minded Christians who are wrestling with these questions and wrestling with it in light of what they've heard in the Mestizo podcast or have engaged on other points of contact uh, content with World Outspoken. So, Bethany, I'm using you as a shameless plug. I'm using your question to drive people to the survey. We need to learn and know more about you, the listeners, so that we can effectively do that. So go to the notes of the show click on that link. It'll only take you two to three minutes to complete the survey. And this fall, we're planning on having a kind of focus group to help us inform what it is that we'll create in terms of these listening, communities of practice. We don't know yet what we're calling it. But uh, number one, shameless plug, do the survey, help us learn more about you so that we can better serve you. That's the first thing. The second thing is, there are actually two ways you can already connect with others that are like, like Bethany and like you, the listener. So the first is you can go to learn.worldoutspoken.com. That's where we host our courses that dive deeper into the subjects that are addressed on the podcast. But I'm not just pushing you to classes so you can learn and take classes. I'm actually pushing you to the Learning Center because the online classes that World Outspoken offers are unusual in that they include connecting points for the community. There's uh, a space in all of our classes for students to engage one another, learn where they are, whether or not they're local or or regional to one another. We've had students actually gather in Chicago earlier this summer that have been in our courses. And so you can go to our learning center and learn, but you can also go to our learning center and engage with others who are thinking about and wrestling with these issues with you. So that's the second thing I'll point point you to. And then last, AETH, the community that, uh, the or- association that Elizabeth oversees, AETH has something called the Young Lideres group. There's a Facebook group that Young leaders, uh hosts events. They gather, they write each other on. There, I looked at it earlier this morning. There are over 400 people in that group, all Young Leaders, some students, some ministry practitioners, some who work uh, everyday jobs or bivocational Christians doing ministry. They're scattered all over the place, but Uh, It's a great community to be engaging with other young folks who are, again, wrestling with these issues and looking to find a sense of home. And so those are the three ways that I'll suggest. Number one, take the survey. Two, join our learning center, take some classes, join the community. Number three, if you're looking to find others who are in ministry and wrestling with these issues, check out Young Lideres, specifically their Facebook group. If you just type Young Lideres in, it's a pretty easy find. Uh, unless the algorithm works against you. But I don't think it will with 400 people in the group. Elizabeth, is there something else you want to say about that?
1: Finding connections is always a difficult piece. It's part of our um, task of becoming, especially when we are in our uh, early 20s and so forth. So do not be discouraged. Um, Understand that in that process, you're, you're learning who you are as well. Uh, look for places of convergence rather than only divergence from others um, so that you keep a balanced um, outlook in, in this uh, process and on this journey of connecting with others. Know that because it's a time in our lives when we make commitments, it um, it takes longer to find people who share the same depth of commitment that we do in the same areas that we do. Um So there may be people who share some things and not others. Uh, Enjoy what you can share with people as well as continue your search for the places where you feel that you need more connection to others. And really do um, move in the directions that Emmanuel has spoken of because those have been some really good ways to connect. But know that this is a time for you to really get to know yourself as well.
0: Yeah, it's that emerging adulthood. I like what you said in terms of don't just focus on points of divergence, but also find points of conversion, points of connection. It reminds me of what we talked about with David Swanson this idea of the lobinculos, right? Those interstitial things that can tie us to one another. Um, Bethany and Christian both ask questions that, I don't know if Bethany's a student, I know Christian is. Uh, They they remind me that we're, you know, late August, and this is the start of another school year. And because it's the start of another school year, I thought, Elizabeth, I thought we can take a moment here to actually speak to students directly. We know that not everyone in the Mestizo Podcast community uh, are students, but many, many of our listeners are. And so I thought we might speak to students offer them a word uh, of encouragement as they enter into the fall school year, um, and as we wrap up the season. So we'll transition to that here instead of taking direct questions. Elizabeth, you wanna go first? you wanna offer your first word?
1: Well, the time, this time of, of study. Study, first of all, is a spiritual discipline. And so understand that it's connecting to your other spiritual disciplines. And that's important. Let's not put things in boxes. Let's integrate things. So study is a part of your prayer life. Study is a part of how you take care of your body. Study is a part of how you worship. Study is a part of all of these things. So connect this the, this life of study to the other um, disciplines of, of your um, growth and spiritual life. The other thing I want to say that because study is a part of who we are as persons what it does is it um causes us to see life different it causes us to see the world that we're in differently it causes us to see ourselves in that world differently and all those are points of of personal growth we're in relationships to others and we need to share what we are learning we need to share how it's changing us with others So that we can stay connected to them. Uh, Particularly if you're married. um, And you're studying. And your spouse perhaps is not studying at this time. um, Share what you study with your spouse. Um, Talk about the fact that you want to be able to share uh, paragraphs. Or if you read a really good article. That the two of you are going to covenant. To share those pieces together. reason I say that is that. As you grow, you can grow away from your uh, spouse. And then uh, as you find less and less in common, you can find yourself saying, oh, maybe we don't love each other. When in reality, it's just that we're growing. And so as you grow, make sure that you bring your spouse along with you on the journey. And the same thing with uh, your other relationships. Um, Your parents, your, your siblings, your friends, Um, it's really important to bring them with you on the journey to talk about these things. Oh, it's controversial. Yes, it is. But um, facilitate the conversation in such a way that we can find those places where we share uh, a sense of commitment, where we share uh, a new view of the world. Uh, I remember my father was a really controversial guy. He was... um, My father grew up in a very different world than I did, right? And uh, he he grew up in a farming community. He grew up as an orphan. He grew up uh, really struggling in life, uh, very poor. I was in New York City, very urban, nothing to do with the farming community that he was a part of. And how we thought about things from different historical places, oh, my goodness, the sparks could really go off. But at the same time, we held each other at the table. We didn't leave the table. Even though there was the tension going on, we didn't leave the table. I would say, no, tú no te puedes ir. Esto hay que arreglarlo aquí, right? And because that, that was this thing, esto hay que arreglarlo aquí. And so you didn't leave the table until you had to arreglarlo aquí. And um, you summarize You summarize and you say, you know, al fin de todas las cosas, at the end of it all, this is who you are to me. This is why it's important that you hear what I say. This is why I want to hear what you have to say. This is what I learned today about what you had to say. You helped me to balance this and these ways. What did you learn from me today? And we would hold each other to that at the table. Not always easy, let me tell you. Because, I mean, after all, I was just a daughter, right? I was just this, you know, little mocosa, uh, And he was the father. And so he was <laughs> supposed to know more, right? But in spite of that, I would still hold him at that table. Mm-hmm. And I would say those things and make him do the same. And it became a pattern because I repeated the same thing. It became a pattern. And that pattern became a way of, of uh, relating to the things that we were learning and so forth. and. Then I would hear him uh, sneak in some of the stuff that I have been saying to him in other conversations with other people. And he would say, no, 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 no podemos ver eso así. We also have to think of X. And I'll say, look at that, right? You're I am teaching. influencing him after all. So yeah. let's, uh, let's do that. Let's do that.
0: What I love about this word that you've given, Elizabeth, is that it pushes us to resist letting our studies alienate us. Mm -hmm. right study by nature the way that at least the way that we do it here in the u.s is particularly isolating right go grab that book and read it right go go into the library find your quiet little booth get in that booth and and prepare for your exams right study can be isolating It, it can leave you kind of on an island and so the word you've given here is encouraging because it asks us to say no 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 Make sure you resist that. Stay at the table with your people, right? With not just your other students, not just with other students who know what you're going through or thinking about uh, things at the level of depth and with the kinds of other conversation partners that you have, but wrestle with these things with your family, right? I, the other day, I was trying to talk to my mom about a particular theologian I was reading. And she looked at me like, what are you talking about? But to your point, she stayed in the conversation with me, and it—I felt utterly relieved. She doesn't often do that, but I was utterly relieved that she did that in that instance. My wife hears me; I bore her to death all the time with theologians that I'm reading, books that I'm reading. Talking about existing, letting studies alienate us, become the kind of people who are detached. Our study becomes detached. That's really, really important.
1: Yeah, it is because we're social learners and uh, there's a uh, great wisdom in the, com- you know, there's, there's wisdom in the company of, of many. Yeah. And that's, that's what we want to be able to uh, do. And we want to share what we have. We don't want to end up feeling at the end when we have our, our diploma, whatever it is that you're going for. You don't want to feel like this part of my life doesn't relate to the people I truly love.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll say I'll say a word from my end, something that I'm thinking about. I'll admit that I'm thinking about this in relation to students that are uh, interning at World Outspoken, students that have joined our staff in one way or another. Uh, this has come up a lot internally at World Outspoken and so much so that for our scholars in residence, shout out, shout out to Dr. Aitzel Meduri Soto and uh, Michelle Navarte who are scholars and residents this year at World Outspoken they're going to be producing some amazing things but we actually made it the theme for the work that they're going to be doing this year this this uh this idea that I'll suggest here but I think students this year especially need to be thinking about and seeing otherwise otherwise is the central word there that's the that's the theme word for World Outspoken actually and let me explain what I mean uh, We've had several people come into World Outspoken who are in a process of kind of seeing more clearly the ways that white evangelicalism has affected them. Some of the pain points, some of the ways that that has erased their identity or the histories of their own peoples. Some of the ways that that the evangelical movement has propped up uh, certain forms of white supremacy that have hurt them and their communities. We've got quite a few people that at World Outspoken, Spoken who are becoming increasingly aware of that. Uh, and as they become increasingly aware of that, they uh, they start going, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to, you know, we need to tear the church down. We need to start something new. We, we need to resist this by starting something altogether different, right? And, and the problem I see in that, there, there's some good in that. I don't want to deny that. But the problem I see in that is the... Uh, the sound, the echo of it sounding utterly new, right? The, The concept that we need to start something utterly new, as if there haven't been things in the past, in the same past that includes the kind of history of white evangelicalism that these students are thinking about, that same past includes people who are offering up an otherwise vision of the church. And so, Let's think back to an episode that we had this season, Alexia Salvatierra, if you remember, she told us about the story that she had with her daughter, right? Where her daughter said that very thing, right? Her daughter said, I just wanna burn down the church and start something new. And uh, what did Alexia say to her, to her, right? She said, mija, are you and your friends smarter than, than me and my friends? And of course, Alexia Salvatierra's daughter realizes, no. And she goes, okay. We've been working at this for 30 years, and you can't tell us that what you're experiencing is not, is worse or the same as what it was when we were in this, right? Things have gotten better. I think Alexis Salvatierra hit it, hit it, you know, uh, the, hit the nail on the head, right? She, Alexis Salvatierra, even, is, a, is an example of someone who, for 30 years of faithful ministry, has been offering an alternative vision, an otherwise vision. And so, my suggestion to students is uh, don't forget that the historical um, realities, the stories that you're becoming more aware of, of white evangelicalism, that that's not the only story, that there are there are other parts of history you need to maybe perhaps discover, remember, or put an eye to, right? There are people like Alexia Salvatierra who've been doing work for a long time. There are people like Orlando Costas, rest in peace, who uh, contributed some really remarkable contributions to the church. There are people who have been doing this for a long time and we can look to them, plant roots in their thinking, plant roots in the traditions and wells that they opened up for us so that we can flourish in new ways. We can flourish otherwise because of the things that have already happened. Our our seeds can grow in soil that they tilled. And so that's, that's the part that I want us to, to remember. Remember that we can do otherwise, but it doesn't have to be utterly new. It can actually be attached to something that has already been happening for a long time. Elizabeth, I don't know if you want to say more about that.
1: I think that you and I are saying similar things, but coming at it from different perspectives, and that is continue to be connected. The intergenerational connections are so important. Continue to be connected to your community. Very important as a student. Do not just separate yourself. Many times study takes us away from our family unit. Uh, We actually have to physically be someplace else. And we're connecting. We're still making connections, new connections to new people in our environment and so forth. Sometimes we find people who are like us. Sometimes we don't. Um, When we don't, it helps us to speak to who we are uh, in ways that we had not had to before. And it helps us to appreciate that a little bit more. But what you're saying is so important that we have to go back to the the treasures of our um, previous generations and to build on those treasures. The problem is that not everywhere that we go are we made aware of those treasures. And so as you study When you're doing research, that's what you're looking for. Make that a part of your inquiry. Look for those coffers. Look for those wells of our peoples.
0: Amen, amen. Well, as we wrap up this uh, final episode of the season, we do wanna tell you, speaking of wells that you can tap into. We want to tell you about what's coming this fall for World Outspoken. There are a couple of things that I think uh, we want to bring to your attention. So number one, I want you to, to set aside these dates. October October 3rd and 4th, there is an event that World Outspoken is hosting, speaking of Wells. We're hosting a two day event with uh, Candler School of Theology out in Atlanta and the Christian Community Development Association, the CCDA, we've partnered together to host a two-day event where we're going to be exploring the interconnections between John Perkins' philosophy of ministry and René Padilla's expression of Misión Integral. So it's a Black-Latino dialogue that we're doing october 3rd and 4th you're going to see more details on the social media and in our mailing list for world outspoken so make sure you're paying attention there but october 3rd and 4th we're going to be exploring uh ruth padilla divorced is going to be sharing on her father's thought of misión integral and how it worked she actually told me something really interesting the other day elizabeth i didn't know that john perkins and renee padilla were actually friends that they had a continued correspondence that they had that they had been thinking together for a while. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how those conversations shaped the ways that René Padilla continued to think about Mission integral later in life and the ways that John Perkins continued to shepherd the movement of the CCDA later in life. And so October 3rd and 4th, uh, it'll be online, virtual. You'll get more information here soon. Uh, you're going to be registering through the CCDA. They'll they'll put up the registration form. But I just wanted you to know the dates and what we're going to be talking about. Speaking of other wells that you can tap into, this is a way for you to get even deeper in your understanding of Aliya, John Perkins, Mission Integral, and Christian Community Development. All right, that's the first second thing I need to tell you about is this fall, obviously the seasons of the Mestizo podcast start in the spring and go through the summer. Uh, This fall, the Mestizo podcast is going to have some bonus episodes that are going to be by my good friend and -and up-and-coming scholar Colton Bernasol. Colton is Filipino-Mexican-American. He's a mixed brother, a mestizo as he would describe himself. He's going to be doing a series of uh, podcasts talking about symbolic devastation. What it means by that is, what do we do when the symbols of Christianity now feel dead to us, right? When we see a cross and all we see is the symbols of white supremacy. I have a great example of that. The first time when I first moved to Florida as a kid, first time I drove to a community called St. Cloud, this is not a joke. I say this as seriously and as honestly as I can. First time I drove through St. Cloud, I saw someone. Uh, I saw some some white men burn, doing a burning at a cross. They weren't burning a person, but they were legit setting crosses on fire. And that memory has stuck. I've never forgotten it. But Colton says, "What happens when the symbols of Christianity seem dead to us or project to us?" Uh, uh, messages of death, white supremacy, patriarchy, etc., etc. So he's Who going to be doing, doing a series. Polluted images. What happens when the images and symbols of Christianity become polluted? So uh, Colton's going to be doing a series of episodes. That'll be him. It won't be Elizabeth and I. But I promise you these are going to be vital for you. If you're leading young people, these are going to be vital for you as young people continue to wrestle with the realities, the historical realities of white supremacy and the other isms um if you're uh, studying and looking for a kind of partner to help think theologically colton is going to be offering something incredible so you're going to want to be paying attention those will come out this fall i don't have a date for the first one yet but you'll just stay tuned stay subscribed to the show so you don't miss an episode and then uh, the last thing I'll tell you about is, of course, the Learning Center. We've got more courses coming out. We've got a preaching course that's coming out September 1st uh, done by uh, Professor Kerwin Rodriguez, Dominican Afro-Latino brother, who has been preaching for a very long time here. Uh, we know that this is a subject that really matters to you all, the listener. And so stay, stay tuned for a course. You can go to learn.worldoutspoken.com for a preaching course uh, by uh, Kerwin Rodriguez. Those are my announcements. Elizabeth, is there something you want to announce and make sure people know? I know you want to know about the Bienal, right?
1: Yes, if so you are a part of our ED, the Association for Hispanic Theological Education, our anniversary activities are going to be taking place the 21st and the 22nd of October. You can hear my co-host, Emmanuel Padilla, speaking about uh, multicultural uh, churches in the Latina community. You can hear Gwesner's, uh Josue Perea speaking about the Afro-Latin uh, Theology Project. You can hear many other voices. Um, and we'll be talking about similar kinds of topics here and expanding on them. So be sure to tune in on the 21st and the 22nd. You can um, learn more about these things by going into our website, www.aeth.org, T as in Tom, www.aeth.org. And we hope to um, see you there and to share with you.
0: That's everything from us, familia. As always, leave us a review so we hear from you. Follow us on social media at world.spoken. Como siempre, it's been a privilege to do another season of the Mestizo Podcast and we're going to let Elizabeth have the last word.
1: (laughs) Well, the last word here, really is the last word of our hearers. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What have you learned from engaging with us? And please do let us know what that has been and how that has uh, generated for you new places of inquiry so that we can continue to engage with you in some really um, enriching ways. Thank you for enriching our lives with your questions, and we hope to continue to do that with you. God bless.
0: Y con eso se acabó.